My conversation today is with the incredible Holly Haynes. Now, Holly helps female entrepreneurs create simple, scalable offers and systems to grow to multiple six figures without relying on the social algorithm. And that is important for me to share because as you will hear in the very beginning of this conversation, Holly and I talk about a particular hard cost that she faced while she was growing and running and scaling her own business when her Instagram account was shut down, not once, but twice and talking about how to overcome that. And then how she has since used that experience and lesson with her clients was a really interesting thing to hear. Now, Holly is an industry expert. She has been featured on Thrive and Entrepreneur.com as an author. She also has a 20-year business consulting background with Fortune 500 companies. These days, Holly runs her strategic coaching business, also the Crush the Rush Planner Company, and Holly hosts the Top 100 Crush the Rush podcast. And she does all of this while raising her twin daughters with her husband in Columbus, Ohio. Her business her family, her experience in a corporate career, and what she has now applied to her surprise turn as an entrepreneur. These and so many more topics come up in today's conversation. I have been such a fan of Holly's for really the last few years. I share some of the perspective that I have as an outsider watching her build in public and talk about this balance and the alignment of running a successful, profitable business that includes a team that supports other business owners and still has family and work-life balance or whatever that looks like in 2023 and beyond as the North Star guiding force. I loved hearing Holly's story. I took so many ideas and quotes away from our conversation, and I can't wait for you to listen as well. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Holly Haynes. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Welcome, Holly. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, you're excited. I'm excited (laughs) because... Of all of the people that I have had conversations with here on Hard Costs, it's been so fascinating to me to see the background and the origin stories. And some of these CEOs that I have met and looked up to, it turns out we have very, very different backgrounds. But at least on the surface, and I'm really excited to dive into it with you, at least on the surface, you and I share a really interesting parallel experience that you know included corporate time, included a reset of work-life balance that has taken you into an entrepreneurial life that 
maybe you didn't anticipate. So I'd love to get right into it and ask you, young Holly, she's in fifth grade. We've got young kids. I know the two of us. So I really picture like, what would I be thinking of right now in, in my kids' shoes? So young Holly, fifth grade, early middle school, what did Holly want to be and do when she became a a grown-up? Yeah. You know, so I will say it's very ironic that you asked this question because we just went back to school shopping and my (laughs) kids are very similar to me where they like to be organized. We love like to color code and theme, like that's our thing. And so we, we had color coded, uh, target list. We went to target yesterday. It was really (laughs) awesome. So like fourth or fifth grade, Holly would have probably had like some sort of color coded list. I used to color code all my homework, all the things. Um, but the interesting thing is, is my dad was in business. He did, he sold like paper, which is really interesting. I don't even know if that would like exist now. Um, and his office was like down the street from where we lived. And so I grew up going into his office. And so I always thought that I would be in business. I didn't really know what that meant, but like, I was like the weird kid that was like, yeah, I'm going to have a briefcase and I'm going to be in business. And like, that's just like, it wasn't this fancy, I'm going to be a dancer or like, you know, teacher or what, like, I just was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in business. So I didn't really know what entrepreneurship obviously was. I don't honestly think I knew the word until like five years ago. (laughs) Like I just never, it's more trendy now. Um, but the other thing that I think is really interesting is my mom actually owned a flower shop when I was a kid and I saw her like first work for someone else and then create her own flower shop. And unfortunately, like it didn't do very well. And she ended up having to close it. And I, I sort of saw that stress. I never thought of it as she has her own business. I always thought like, well, she's just going to work. That's just like her job. And so I think now as I look back on it, I'm like pulling from different experiences that I saw sort of both my parents um, do. But I always had the goal of like, well, I'm just going to be in business. I'm going to have like, even going into college, I was like, well, I just want to get like the corporate office with like the big door and the team. And I'm going to like work my way up. Like that's what my goal was. <laughs> So we have significantly shifted. Well, yes and no, because it's interesting, you know, fast forward. Now you are obviously, however we define it, a, an entrepreneur, a business owner yeah. with a team, with products, with services, who is impacting the world. And by the way, is also role modeling whatever this new business, you know, model looks like for her own kids. So it's yeah. really interesting to hear you say that, by the way, my father worked out of the house as a television producer. And that was the only thing I ever thought I was going to be. Yeah. Just never imagine any other life. And so it's so interesting how we are imprinted on and how we then imprint on our own circles. So one of the things that is interesting to me, I think the first time Holly that I really found you was through your planners. And so now I have been able to learn so much more about you, but it was these beautiful, colorful organizers in my feed. And that I love what you just said of like, that speaks to you as a child. It also speaks to this experience you had at Target. Tell me how you went from the young Holly into a paper product business, like, like your father. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I've never like compared the two before. Um, so it's so crazy because the planner is like 
you know, like a fourth of our business, right? And so I didn't set out into growing and scaling our business to create a planner. I set out to like, well, how can I teach and educate on strategy? Because that's that was my background. I have a 22-year corporate strategy career. We like built the business as we're working full-time, all the things. But like deep inside, I was like, I really want to create a planner. Like I love planners. I'm obsessed with them. I have like, I've probably tried every planner on the like planet. I like color coding. Like I, that's the thing. Like you could see behind me, like my books are color coded. Like it's just, I just love it. And I feel like there's a really, um, cool, like depending on how you learn and, and how you plan, like there's something about being able to write it down. I mean, we still use all the tools and click up at Google and all the things, but there's something, you know, that, about writing it down and being able to take it with you. We were talking about like journaling before we hit record of like just having like a physical, tangible thing. And so like it made zero business sense. Like I started my business during the pandemic and it was like, we're like six months in and I'm like, I'm going to start a planner. Like it, zero, but on paper, it was like, you're crazy. This is not going to work. Totally not a good idea. Um, but I just, I was like, I want to do it like just for myself. Like, I'm just going to do it because it sounds really fun. And I use a planner all the time. And when I was teaching my clients from a coaching perspective, I had all these PDFs, like, here's how you plan your day. Here's how you plan your quarter. Here's like the, you know, my top three things. And I kept using the same ones over and over and over again. And I'm like, how cool would it be if I just created something that I could like, just give my clients instead of giving them these random PDFs, like this would be way more organized. Um, so long story short, I was still working full time. And I, I remember it like to the day I, it was when Rachel Hollis was like a really big deal. And I, she had just come out with a planner and I opened her planner and I went to the back of her planner and I saw the company that made it. And I called them. I like, went in the cafeteria of my like nine to five job. And I had a call with them and I was like, look, I want to create a planner. Like, tell me what you need to do. At the time I, you know, they got back to me and I was like, okay, well that's not going to work. <laughs> but it sort of gave me like the steps that I needed to take. I eventually did end up hiring them to help me. Um, and then we launched our first planner. I think that was about like a year in. Um, and I would say like, like anything, it comes, you know, out, exactly the way that you want it to. And then it comes out like the exact opposite of what you think it will do. Um, so from like a business strategy perspective, now our planner really acts as like a tripwire. It acts as like a stepping stone or like an introduction into like how I teach and what I do. Um, so it's sort of like taken a life of its own. And then we've, we've added the things that I like in business. And that is like, we have custom covers that are created by local artists. We have like a local printer now. And so I'm really trying to infuse the things that I love that I think will represent like our community and, um, our business. So it was really on a whim. Like there was no, like, this makes I sense. I love that. And I love how you just yeah. reframe. Cause I think people listening can really kind of own that, which is like, I feel this pull, I feel this calling or this interest. I don't necessarily need to go the three, five year plan. I need to just go where kind of my heart and also obviously the marketplace are aligning yeah. and know that I can pivot after that. And I will tell you that I, you know, I mentioned I'm a good use case of that. It was a tripwire for me because I purchased a planner yeah. and then I was like, okay, everything Holly does is so interesting to me. And there was, and I don't know if 
it was by design or by luck. Marketing is usually both of those things, as we know. Yeah. Um, but I went to go buy one and I had been on the fence and then the cover I wanted, it had been sold out. And I just remember thinking, well, this is urgency and scarcity, but real. Yeah. It's so authentic. And believe me, I did not miss the next drop <laughs> because I was like, yeah. no. And I just, I loved seeing that too. Um, you know, really seeing you espouse what you teach clients to do. And it just, it gave me insights into the way that you would empower other business owners. And and I'm kind of taking us on a little bit of a crooked path yeah. um, because I'm obviously also bringing some of my bias, which is here's what I saw from the outside. Yeah. But I remember too, and I don't know what the timing was, but you know, I found you through Instagram and I followed you through Instagram. And I remember there was this day, I think I might've even got one of your texts. It was like, Hey, Instagram, it's a no go <laughs> for us. Like we got shut down. Yeah, so how much at that point, and I'd love for you to just talk about that experience, what happened and what lessons you walked away and how it impacted your business for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, it's such a crazy story because like I shared, like I started my business when I was working full time. So a good, you know, two and a half years, I was working like 50 hour weeks in a very corporate, uh, I would say even executive type role. So I knew building my business, like I didn't really have time to post on social media because like I couldn't, you know, say to my CFO, like, Hey, I got to go do this post at 2 PM because that's the ideal time. Right? Like I just, I couldn't, like it wasn't an option. And so going into like, how do we scale this? I knew that I had to like social media was like the sidecar, like the second act. Mm. And I think sometimes like you put something out into the universe and then the universe <laughs> responds in a way that you're like, Oh, Okay. So we've actually lost our full Instagram account twice. The first time was about a year and a half ago. And I had, you know, 14,000 followers and we lost it over a launch weekend. And it just, it was just gone. Like I went to like, go, like we were at a retreat and I like went to share like whatever we were doing and it was completely gone. And, you know, I won't lie that I wasn't going to panic because I spent a lot of time like nurturing that account. And it was just gone. Now, thankfully that time it came back. Um, but I think it really resonated not only with me, but my audience of like, Hey, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Thankfully we didn't. And we had other ways to communicate because I did have sort of that like corporate boundary. So I had other ways to, to sort of share. Um, but then it happened again and it was this year and it was down for three months, like completely gone. I mean, we went through like log all the cases with, Instagram. And then, I mean, it was like a whole thing and like talking to Instagram is like, just like a needle in a haystack, like you're not going to get anywhere. And so I made the decision that I was just going to start a new account because I really wanted to prove that you don't need a huge following to make a big impact. And long story short, the account came back, but we kept our smaller account because I actually like it better. Like I can interact with people more. It's easier to manage. Um, I feel like it's a great example. And so that's really what we've been teaching is like how you can make an impact with, you know, leveraging other people's networks and, and having really solid relationships. Um, and so as it relates to the planner, most of the time, knock on wood, the planner sells itself, but it's through the relationships. It's through conversations like this. 
it's through like, let's just add it on because I love that cover. Or my friend is the one that designed this and then she shares it. And then, oh, we love that this is part of it. Um, and so we've made it this sort of like community feel, which sort of goes back to your question of like, you know, what did you do? And so I was like, let's just, let's just build the community. Like the people will come if you're sharing the right things and it doesn't matter what platform you're on. And what I love about that, again, outsider looking in is that all of these hard costs that you have faced, all of these challenges and obstacles, I've seen you really beautifully marry them into. And here's how like this happened. We didn't anticipate it as a business. And now for my coaching clients, for, you know, for my followers, for my podcast listeners, like here's how you can come out of it. So I'm curious with all of this, you've been learning lessons along the way. You really built some of that foundation when you were working a lot of hours in this corporate executive role. Now you coach business owners. It's going to say women. I know that there are others who are impacted and I know that your family, it's like, this is a family business to be able to see a path where they can grow and they can scale and they can be financially successful and they can have impact and they can feel great in a smaller amount of hours. So for you, Mm -hmm. as you are building these things in parallel, your corporate career, your additional business, was there a particular tipping point where you woke up and said, this is the day I can release the corporate career? Or what was that transition like? Yeah. Um, such a good question. So if you asked me at the beginning, so it was January of 2020 when I started. So we're like three and a half years in. Um, and it took me a year and a half, about 18 months to retire from my corporate job. But starting this, I was like, there's no way like this is if you would have asked me if I could match or at this point, even double my corporate salary from my own business, I would have been like, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> And I think the reason I say that is because I had been working for so long. Like, I mean, I started my business when I was 42. Like, it's not like I, like there was a lot that we had to replace, right? There's like benefits and 401k and retirement. We have multiple kids. And so it was like, not this like easy step. Um, and so going into it, I did, that wasn't even the goal. The goal was like, let's just make some additional income. Let's, I, I was, I wasn't really burnt out with my career. I actually liked my job, but I felt like I just wanted like, something more. And the the question that I always ask is like, can you keep doing what you're doing for the next 10 years? And I knew the answer was no, but I didn't know what the next step was. And so I was like, well, I'll just like play around with this and then we'll see what happens. And so like the first pivotal point was like, well, maybe because we're like in the height of the pandemic now. So like everyone's like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, So I was like, well, maybe I'll work three days a week or four days a week, just so I can like get some of my time back. Um, And then when the pandemic like started to shift and people were going back, I was like, I just, I just don't know if I can like sit in a car anymore. Like my (laughs) life was so different from working from home, even in my corporate job. I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is something that I want to do. Like, so how do I figure that out? I would say if there was one moment I was in a a mastermind and hired a coach and my husband actually went on a retreat with me. And I will say there was a strategy behind that because like we're new to entrepreneurship. I never, it wasn't like something that I grew up with. I didn't have friends that were part of it. And so part of my experience was like educating him on, Hey, this is like a real thing. This is not like something that somebody's making up, right? Like, (laughs) So I took him with me. I actually took my kids and my mom with me. And 
we sat and like listened to other families who were going through this. And I remember like two days in, we were like, it was at the beach, which was nice. And we we're like sitting on the side. He's like, I really think that you can do this. Like you have, like you have the things. And I was like, really? Like the look <laughs> on my face was probably like, are you sure? <laughs> so at this point, he's like more, you know, into like the full time than I am. And so then we just decided as a family, like, let's just put together a one year plan of like, if you put your notice in, and I would say my notice was around, I just didn't want to go back into the office full time. Mm -hmm. So that's really what drove it. Um, if you put your notice in, like what happens? Like what what's going to happen for one year? So we gave ourselves a year and we're like a year and eight months in now. Um, and it worked out, right? Like it gave <laughs> us some more capacity and we've grown and scaled. And so it's been really fun. But I feel like that was probably the moment um, and if you're still listening to the story, I think it was me being able to get other people on board with what I wanted to do and then having them help me implement like the vision. That's so interesting because when I look at my own corporate career and then the transition into solopreneurship and, and mine was sort of bookended, um, you know, worked for someone else, worked for myself, worked for someone else, worked for myself. And that's where I am right now. But I know one of the challenges that I have just the way my DNA is, is I'm an integrator. I'm an implementer and having mm -hmm. to really push myself to take a strategic role for my growth and to work with the type of clients I want. But I just acknowledge that sometimes being the leader and working with a team and delegating is a challenge for me. You just shared that part of your ability to do this was knowing, hey, I have to bring on a team. I have mm -hmm. to delegate. Has that always been something you've been good at? Or is that something you've learned moving into this stage of your career? So I, so I think this is where like corporate life and entrepreneur life like merge a little bit because I was leading really large teams in my corporate world. I did have like a decent amount of leadership and like change management training. And so I think a lot of times people think that they have to be separate, but I'm really pulling from my experience from the corporate world of like, okay, I'm one person. We all know that one person can't do all the things. Like how do we get there faster? It's like the project management triangle. It's like scope, schedule, budget. Like, what do you change? What is the trigger that you pull? Do you cut back on the work? Do you add more work and bring people in to help you? Do you pour money on it? Um, and so I really started to look at that. And I would say for us, because I was working full time, I had a little flexibility where I could reinvest what we were making in the business back into the business so that when I did step away from my job, we sort of had all the things built mm -hmm. out. So going back to that like aha moment, it was like, okay, I want to have my team in place. I want to have certain things from like a family perspective in place. And then we'll say, okay, it's time to go. Um, so I think I pull, I pulled a lot of the, the team and delegation stuff just from my experience. Uh, I will say though, when it's your business and you are handing thing off, things off for other people to do it, it's a little nerve wracking. And I think the other thing, and I said this the other day, like I didn't leave my corporate job to recreate my corporate job. Like I don't want to be the person that's like answering Slack messages all day or reviewing all the deliverables. Like I want to create a team environment that feels like very collaborative and inspiring. And like that, like dream business that maybe I had talked about when I was like, you know, in fifth grade of like, that's how I want it to feel. And so I think it's like, 
merging what I learned, but also like, I want it to be a little bit different kind of thing. Have you? And then if so, how do you hold those boundaries? So, you know, for example, you've got school-aged children, you've got a husband who's actively involved in the business, but is also your partner. You travel, you have outside interests. You know, do you have a, like a literal checklist of like, oh, I don't work past this time, or I only work this many hours, or is there another approach for you where you think this is still in alignment with what I set out to do, but I'm, I'm still actively involved in my business in the way that it needs me now. Yeah. So I always joke, like if I ever write a book, it's going to be about like unraveling yourself from like the corporate world. So if you had asked me a year ago, we had a very strict schedule. I was like, I'm going to work from nine to two or nine to noon or whatever it was. And these are the boundaries. These are the hours. But then it started to feel kind of weird because I was like, well, what if I want to go volunteer at my kid's school for four hours? Or what if like, like my husband and I are really into like gardening and hiking. Like, what if we want to go do that in the morning? Then that throws the schedule off. Right. And then I was like, stressed out because I was like, no, it's not, it's not like my rules. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a definite rule follower. Um, so I think lately I've been trying to really embrace like, okay, what are the things that I absolutely have to get done? And then I have some boundaries, right? Like typically I don't like to take calls in the evenings and, you know, typically I will only do things on certain days, but I think even depending on the season that you're in, like, I have to remind myself like it's okay. Right. And I, another example I'll give is like when I was working full time, I always got up at like four 30 or five in the morning. Like that was my time to get things done. And so when I left corporate, I was like, I'm not getting up at 5.00 AM, but here's the thing. I am actually the weird person that loves getting up early in the morning. It's like my favorite time of the day. No one's up. And so like a couple of months in, I'm like, why am I not doing the thing that I actually like really I mean, no one loves getting up at 5am, but I could get a lot done. And then I could have the whole afternoon to do whatever I want. And so I feel like it's, yes, there are boundaries, but I'm sort of resetting them of like, it doesn't have to be the same thing every single day. It can go with like, well, what do you want to do today? And what do you need to do today? And then what does that look like? Yeah, so, I don't I'm going to blurb that question. book for you. I love what you just said. And I've, <laughs> I've never thought of it as unraveling from corporate, but I overcorrected. So when I yeah. when I left my corporate experience under under duress, kind of a, a different scenario where um, instead of sort of like building the parachute and then jumping, my experience was I got pushed off the cliff, but then I showed myself that I could build the parachute. I could build the wings, but we ultimately, I love what you just shared because yeah, I overcorrected so hard. I said, well, instead of working 60 hours a week, which didn't serve me and totally, you know, led to all of these negative consequences, 30 hours, that's my cutoff, like anything over 30. And then I did it and I realized I actually love to work. So for me, it needs to be not the number of hours. It was about like, how do I feel? Like sometimes working 40 hours feels great. And sometimes working eight feels so painful that I want to run yeah. into, you know, the next job fair and, and take the next thing they hand me. So I like, I love the way you articulated that. And I have seen you again, outside looking in really role model that tell me about what that alignment looks like right now in this stage of life with your family, you travel, you have time with your kids, but you're actively running the business. What generally does that look like from a work week standpoint? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. So we're still in summer right now. And like, we don't have like nannies or anything like that. So like everyone's home all day long. (laughs) My husband and I were just talking about it because our day is so choppy right now. Like, and I would say it's probably not ideal because it's like, I will get up and I tend to get up early because I'm like, I'm going to get the things done that I need to get done. So for me, I probably have like a six to 7.30 ish work time where I'm like working on the business, getting things out there. But it's because I would say at least three or four hours during the like prime day, like we're home as a family or we're going to the pool or we're doing like summer activities. That's not typically normal. Um, When the kids go back to school, we'll sort of flip it and I'll have like more of a morning routine. So it's really choppy right now. Um, I would say I probably work three to four hours a day. I would say Monday through Thursday. Going back to that like unraveling um, (laughs) comment, like for whatever reason, my brain just doesn't work on Fridays. (laughs) I think I just dreamed of like never working on a Friday. And so in my head, I'm like, it's Friday. Let's go do something fun. And so we call them Freedom Fridays, but we like to try to just like do something different. Uh, sometimes it's really basic, like going to Trader Joe's at 10 o'clock or, you know, just things that like you maybe would take for granted. Um, so it's, it's super choppy right now, but we, we do tends to keep boundaries in the evenings, like, okay, phones off at, you know, seven o'clock. I typically don't have calls in the evenings, So those are sort of like our, our times. Um, and then like from a schedule perspective, usually on Mondays, I don't have calls, So I'll use it as like a strategic planning, like working on projects that I want to work on. So that feels really good on like a Monday. Again, going back to that corporate of like, oh, I hate Mondays. So now I'm like, (laughs) what can we do to make Mondays really fun? Let's work on projects that we're like excited about. And then the latest thing that we did, and it kind of just goes back to like seasonal planning is the last week of every month, I don't have any meetings. Wow. So it's not, it doesn't mean that I don't work. Um occasionally like I'll have one or two, but for the most part, it's like open space. And that's made such a big difference. It make, it takes like the pressure off of different projects and sort of gives me time to plan or it gives us time to like travel or do some of our other like family priorities. And so I'm trying to think of things in like blocks of time. And so it's like, I'm bookending my weeks with like fun activities. And then I know at least once a month, there's like, uh, I can take a breath of like, okay, I just have white space. Like I can do what I want. And that's been really cool. Yeah. It's like the entrepreneur's version of touch grass, you know? Um, yeah. And I love that because, yes. <laughs> you know, it it's ironic how many of my best ideas will come when I'm actively not pursuing that solution. Yeah. Right. And I think it is really a testament to like the, the tighter you tried to hold on to something, whether it's a project or a hard decision or something, you know, more woo that the tighter you try to hold on to it and control it, which again, like we're, we're type A, we're planners, we're fixers. Like it, it doesn't really get you the outcome that you want. And if you're out there enjoying your life, it's amazing how much will just attract magnetically to you. Yeah. And I, I love that. And yeah. that's something I think anybody listening who feels maybe like, Oh my gosh, I like haven't been able to take a deep breath. Give yourself that week. And if you can't do it every week, give yourself one week this month or this quarter. Um, I would love to hear from your perspective. So you've mentioned 
early in your career, when you were still working in corporate, you were going to a mastermind. You were having conversations with your husband. I'm sure that there were times when colleagues or friends, you know, you, they were able to see what you were working on right now. What does your inner circle look like? Is it your whole team and it's every follower you have, or is there two people that you trust and, and you talk to on the good days and the bad days? What does that look like? Yeah. So good. Um, so definitely my husband, like, I mean, he works, I would say for me, so he does all of our finances, but he also helps with like customer experience. And like, if you order the planner and it gets shipped the wrong place, like he handles all of that. He packages all of the stuff. So he has multiple roles, um, in the business. And so we obviously have conversations about that, but even going back to planning, like at the end of every week, we're like, Hey, this is what's going on this week. This is what's happening. And so that would be probably number one. Um, I have a really good friend who lives in Florida. I'm in Ohio. We probably boxer every single day. So that would be probably the second person. The third sort of group I would say is I always try to be in some sort of support system from a business perspective. So whether it's a membership, a mastermind, a one-on-one coach, like I always try to have at least one person that's giving me some like external support and somebody that I can ask questions to. I think the cool part is, is as you continue to do that over time, like you start to form your own little pods that you can ask questions to. Um, So I'm in a mastermind right now. And then I have a couple of friends that I have just met locally. So like one of my goals when I left my corporate job was to connect with entrepreneurs who live in Columbus that I could like have relationships with and just like be friends. Cause none of my friends were in this role. And I was like, but they're at work and I'm at home and like, I want, I need somebody to talk to So I have a, like a core group of like four or five women and we've become friends over the last couple of years. And we joke that we're like a pod. Like if somebody asks us to be in an event, like we all go, or like if somebody asks us to go to a happy hour, like we all go. Um, so that's been really cool. Um, as well. So those, those would probably be my top ones. I love that. There's a a saying, and this will get to my next question, but there, as you were talking, there's a saying that I have literally like it's written on my board behind my desk. I have it in probably every journal and it's that a rising tide lifts all boats. And it is for Mm -hmm. me that the way that I sort of align with that is just understanding if you do good and you work with or around or are supported by good people, then good things happen to everybody. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if you think too much about what am I getting out of this, then you're probably not going to get what you actually need. And if you just kind of trust the process, I'm speaking in a lot of cliches right now, but yeah. um, And so you were sort of, you know, that was sort of like your rising tide. Is there a similar quote, a mantra or like a North star core value that helps you through the more challenging days? Yeah. So I have it on my board. Um, I would say there's two. So one I would say is, you know, they always say that if your dreams only include yourself, then you're thinking too small. And so for me, it's like, yes, I have goals and aspirations, but like I have goals and aspirations for like all of my clients. Like I, half the time I'm on like a call with them. I'm like, I can like visually see this like happening. Like I'm such a visual person. Um, and a dreamer that like, it's really easy for me to see that. So I always like to think of, you know, if I can just help as many people as I can, then, you know, we'll all benefit. But if your dreams only include yourself, you're thinking too small. Um, the other quote that I have is success comes when you most expect it. 
And I think sometimes we get, we're like, oh, that would never happen to me. And it's like, well, yes, it's going to happen. Like you're doing the right things. You're taking the right steps. Like let's just, you know, keep going day after day. Um, So that's one of my favorites. And then lately, the one that I've been writing in my planner is show me how good it can get. Because I think for me, my life is so different than it was even a year ago, like it freaks me out sometimes. <laughs> it's like you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, like, is this real life? And you start to get like nervous and anxious about it. And so it's like, but there's, there's still so much you could do. And so I'm just like, show me, like, show me how good it can get. Um, and so that's been really inspiring as well. I love that. And it goes back to what we were just talking about with sort of uh, call it the law of attraction, call it abundance. If you are not in a position to receive whatever is coming to you, again, you've got to work hard. You've got to show up. You can't just sit and wait for these abundant blessings to hit you. But if you're doing that and yet you're worried about what could go wrong, it's just, you manifest that. Like again, whatever the manifestation means for someone listening, I have found that in my experience. And so I really have to counsel myself to like stay in a place where how good could this be? Show me how, how good this could be. I love that quote. And I'm going to let you off the hook with one more question. And I think it's especially appropriate because I know that you and your family travel If you right now had a three month sabbatical and there are no negative impacts on your business, everything is still humming along and success is, is a given. Where are you going? What are you doing? Who are, who are you with for this three month sabbatical? Oh my gosh. Well, so we took our girls to Europe last year for the first time and it was so cool. Like, I feel like it just opened this door for me. I personally love to travel. My husband loves to travel, but to see I mean, I never, I didn't get to Europe until I was like in my 30s. So to see like two eight-year-olds like respond to like the world was just like, it's so cool to see. And so we definitely want to go back. Um, I love experiences and I love like, my husband's like, you're such a hotel snob. But Disney just uh, launched these like brand new European experiences where you can like go to Norway as an example, see the Northern lights. Then you can go to like the castle that frozen was like themed after. And I mean, it is like a whole thing. So that is on my vision board. I don't even know what it looks like or how it'll happen, but it it looks like magical. And from like a planner perspective, it's all planned for you. They have amazing customer experience. Like you basically sign up and go. Um, And so that's what I would do. It's so funny that you say that because I am far and away the planner in in all of my circles, in my family, on my team, for my clients. When it comes to vacation, my only rule is that I don't want to plan it. Just tell me, tell me where. And I I don't even need to have a strong opinion. I release that. And so my husband is our travel guide and our travel planner and our family. So I love that you share that like, hey, 99% of the time I'm the planner. I like, it has to be a release. And isn't it nice to know that you're with people that know you well enough and that you can trust to kind of take the wheel in that process. You have been such a joy to talk with. I have loved watching you build your business through the pandemic. I cannot wait to see what success looks like for you. By the way, I am in Florida. I'm an early riser. I am constantly on Voxer. And I'm a corporate dropout too. So I'm just saying, if you have room in your inner circle, my hand is raised. Um, I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you so much for your time. And again, I'm so excited that I was able to share just a, a piece of your story with my audience. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Do you like how at the end of that conversation, I basically strong-armed Holly into being my friend? Well, I will tell you that as soon as we stopped recording, Holly was even nicer off camera and off recording than she was with us. And she was pretty darn nice and accommodating on our conversation. So yes, Holly and I are going to become new Voxer BFFs. And you better believe that I'm going to be learning more about that adventure that she was talking about. It is my dream to have somebody plan all of the things that happen for me outside of my business. I'm very lucky that I have an incredibly supportive partner who is that travel agent and also helps run our house. I know that is not a requirement for a business owner or an entrepreneur, but I really loved that Holly shared her experience as a wife and a mother who also works with her husband or more importantly, her husband works for her and what that dynamic looks like. Uh, so I really loved this conversation with Holly and I, I trust that you did as well. You are going to want to follow Holly, not only for the planners and the adventures and the travel, but everything in between. And again, I strongly recommend that you subscribe to and start listening to the Crush the Rush podcast. It is so so good. And whatever stage of your business and your career you are in, whether you are working as a corporate executive and doing the nine to five for somebody else, you are building your next thing in parallel, or you have already taken the leap and are running your own business. Holly is such a great guide. And I love hearing her stories. I want you to go to hollymariehaines.com. Now her last name is H-A-Y-N-E-S. So hollymariehaines.com. You can also find her on Instagram and it's at the hollymariehaines. I really, really know that you will get so much value and so much interest in following Holly's story. She also does an incredible job, whether you are a client of hers or not, in providing a roadmap and strategies and ideas for crushing the rush in your own life. I'm so deeply grateful for Holly for joining me today. I'm as always deeply grateful for you for listening and subscribing and sharing and telling me what you love about these episodes. I love recording them and it brings me so much joy to hear how many of you have enjoyed listening to the conversations as well. So I will see you and you will hear me on the next episode of Hard Costs. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.